Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. You can take your seats. So great to have you in church tonight. And I know God's got something great for you. I always have faith that whenever we gather together in church, God can do something powerful and something supernatural. And I don't know what your week's been like. I know a lot of people say this in church services, but it's true. We have no idea what your week's been like, but God certainly does. And no matter what the circumstance of your life is, the the truth of the Word of God can come into any season and bring about great life and great change. And I'm believing that for you tonight. And if you believe it, say amen. Well, it is great to be back. As Pastor Luke said, I had the great privilege to join my dad, Pastor Jared, and my brother Nathan on a trip to Europe. And that was specifically to be with our Global Heart Hamburg family. So we have a church in the city of Hamburg in Germany. And what an exciting city, but even more exciting is the church there. And it is a great work that's happening there. And it's such a God thing that we're there as a church. We're reaching so many people there. And so many people that are German, but also a lot of internationals in that city who are really needing a bilingual church. And so we're able there to do services that are English and German, which is so, so cool. So uh, my dad and I got to preach with a German translator uh, in Pastor Matthias and Pastor Vincent, which was such a great privilege. And we were able to go and serve the team there and be a big blessing to them. And uh, what was really cool was that once you get to Europe, as many of you would know, everything's pretty close. So at one point, we took a 30-minute drive from Denmark to Sweden, as you do. You just take a short drive, and then we took a short flight from Copenhagen back to Hamburg. So everything's very close. And within that, we got to visit um, the motherland for us, which is Ireland. And so any Irish people in the house tonight? Okay, three of us, praise God. But Ireland's a beautiful country, hey? And what's so funny is that growing up in Australia, I regularly get sunburnt. And my mum and dad would say, well, darling, your skin is made for Ireland. And so I went to Ireland, wouldn't you know it? Day two, I got sunburnt. So I turned to my dad and I said, where am I supposed to go? Where am I from? Who am I? You know, I was just not sure, but got sunburnt in Donegal, in Ireland. And uh, what was so great was that a a great church there uh, reached out to my dad and asked him to come and share with their team. And so Pastor Joe was able to share with Open Arms Church. And what a great church, great people. And Pastor Sean is the senior pastor there. Loved getting to connect with them and serve them. And so very exciting what's happening in Ireland. But before I preach, I must give a shout out to the real heroes of that trip, which is Bianca, Kerry and Pastor Sue, and obviously the kids as well for releasing us to go and be a blessing. So big shout out to them. And uh, of course, Micah, Joel, Lara and Patty as well uh, for letting their parents go. So 
Very cool. Well, hey, Pastor Jared, our senior pastor, my dad, he is not here tonight. Um, he flew back in from Europe and then uh, pretty quickly flew to Adelaide to go and represent you and our church at Pastor Andrew Evans' funeral. So if you don't know, Pastor Andrew Evans was the senior pastor at what is now Futures Church for many years. And he was also the president of the Australian Christian Churches for many years. He's been a real general of the Christian faith in Australia. So dad flew there to go and honour him and, and be with the family celebrate his life, but really represent our church in saying thank you to him for his contribution to Christianity in Australia. So that's where Pastor Jared is tonight, and he'll be back preaching this Sunday, which will be so, so good. And you got to know, globally, in Global Heart Church, God's doing so much. And I know Zambia, our church in Zambia has their heart for the house coming up. And we've got our heart for the house coming up. I know Hamburg just had theirs. And, and people are really engaging, bringing great faith. And uh, great to have Pastor Jared back this Sunday, then Pastor Benjamin the next weekend. Uh, this Sunday in Melbourne, Pastor Div's preaching. So it's all happening. God's doing so much and we are so blessed to be a part of it, hey? And we are so blessed to do this journey with you. And I want to preach tonight on a message which I hope stirs you. I hope it encourages you. And I hope in a way that great preachers can do, especially people like my mum, they give you a, a slap and a hug all in one. You feel incredibly loved on and encouraged. And as you go on to bed, you're going, sugar, I just got hit up. So my plan tonight is that you get really encouraged, but really challenged. Uh, ultimately, that it would bring about a really great godly change in your life. Because I know that God's got so much more for you. God's got a great life for you. And you've got to know it's on the other side of living by His Word and having great godly change take place in our lives. So my message is called The Gift of Repentance. The Gift of Repentance. Let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, we thank You for tonight. God, we just give you praise and glory in advance for what you're going to do. We just know you want to speak to us. You want to move in our lives, move in our hearts. And so, God, we just invite you to do that. We just pray, Holy Spirit, have your way tonight in the service. Say what you want to say. Touch each heart. Help us, Lord, to hear you. God, like the parable of the soil, help our heart to be good soil tonight, that your word may fall on it. And Father, that it would produce a great crop, God. It may produce great fruit. So help us right now, Lord, to prepare our hearts. Help them to be soft, Lord God. And we just pray, change us and speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus. And the seventh throw said, Amen. thank you, seventh throw. All right. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to read a couple of quick scriptures from the book of Matthew, and they're going to come up on the screen. And I'm going to fire off a few quick ones tonight. So you're welcome to write those down or do whatever you need to. Uh, but they'll also come up on the screen to help us. But we're going to read Matthew 3 verse 2. And this is John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus then comes a chapter later in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And he says the same thing. <laughs> Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus answered them, and said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does that mean? What, what is repentance? Well, repentance is the, the act of repenting. It's, it's significant or signifying, sorry, sincere regret or remorse. 
The, the Greek word for repentance when Scripture speaks of it is the word metanoia, which means to change one's mind. It's a transformative change of heart. And, and though it can certainly include sorrow and regret, it is far more than that. True repentance begins to bring about in your life a personal, absolute and unconditional surrender to God. Repentance is to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to godly living. And real repentance, everybody, always results in godly change. You know, the Hebrew word for repentance actually translates to the word return. Repenting before God is the same as returning to God. It is through repentance that often we do return into right relationship with our Heavenly Father. Joel chapter 2 verse 12 in the Amplified says, Even now, says the Lord, turn and come to me with all your heart in genuine repentance, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Listen to this, until every barrier is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. Return to me even now, says the Lord. And I love that last part, until every barrier is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. Zechariah chapter 1, verse uh, 1 to 3, it's, it's called a call to return to the Lord. It says this, In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. Some great uh, boy name options there. Verse 2, the Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here it is, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 4, do not be like your ancestors to whom the, early, the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? Then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. Everybody, repenting is not just a one-time thing. It is actually a regular privilege. It's a regular gift that we have that we can return to God. That when we have stuffed up, when we have made mistakes, but unlike mistakes, when we've deliberately done the wrong thing, we can return to God through repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing, because that's what scoffers do, and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water, and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Great news, everybody. God is wanting to be patient with you because He does not want anyone to perish. His heart is that everyone would come to repentance, a change in thinking, a change of heart, a looking to God, putting Him in His right place that we may know God forever in eternity. God's heart is that all would come to repentance. Even the most evil of people, even someone you might think is so evil, God's heart is that they would still repent and turn to God. What a gracious, loving God we serve. By the grace of God and the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we can step into a relationship with our God through repentance. Imagine having such a gift where you can admit that you're wrong. You can accept that you've done the wrong thing where you can say sorry and have the opportunity to go again. Everybody through repentance, no matter what you've done, you have the opportunity because of the grace of God to go again. You might be here tonight and you have fresh regrets. Maybe you did something this week which you feel like has written you out of the faith. I wanna tell you, you can return to God through repentance. It's a little bit like saying sorry, And I remember one time I almost got in trouble for saying sorry. And this was at school with my drama teacher. I kept doing the wrong thing in class and I kept apologising. And I got in more in trouble because she said to me, Jordan, I don't think your apologies mean anything. And I said, how dare you? As a 12 year old, how dare you say that? And I said, why do you think that? She said, well, you apologise and then do the exact same thing again. It wasn't really that sincere as is a forced apology. I don't know if you've ever had to do one of those. If you've got siblings, I'm sure you had to do this. But sometimes I would do something to one of my brothers and my mum and dad would say, you need to say sorry. And it's almost like you don't have a choice. So you're like, okay, sorry. (laughs) You do it with a twisted arm or hey, you can't play PS2 anymore if you don't say sorry. So you very quickly say sorry. And there's always, you know, a fake sorry because the incentive is good, right, to say sorry. But sometimes we just flat out refuse to say sorry because we believe that what we did was not wrong. And sometimes we can take that approach with God. I don't need to repent for anything. I've got no sin in my life because I'm all good. I'm not as bad as that guy. But repentance is a gift because it's the opportunity for us with a right, sincere heart to come to God and to acknowledge what we've done and to ask for forgiveness and to be set right. And for God to, from that day, help us to change our heart and our thinking and our behaviour. Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Repentance starts a party. That's why repentance is not a dirty word. It's not a bad thing. It says that when one sinner repents, it sets off a party in heaven. Repentance is a good thing. I might just call myself a party starter because I start a lot of parties in heaven because I'm repenting a lot. But really that scripture is speaking of people who for the first time are coming back to God through repentance. 
When one sinner, one person who feels so far from God, who's never turned to God, when they repent and come to God, it starts a great party in heaven. You know, Acts 3, 9 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Everybody, repentance or lack thereof demonstrates our level of humility. Repentance or our lack thereof demonstrates our level of humility. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name, here it is, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. There's that word, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will hear their land. No one can get down on their knees and cry out to God in arrogance. No one asks for forgiveness with great pride. It comes with humility. And it says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's painting a picture that our humility is really what is needed to approach God because you don't approach God without it. We need to have humility so that we can repent. It reveals our posture towards the Lord and it reveals the condition of our heart. You know, there's many people in Scripture, everybody, who repented. And the prodigal son story paints a great picture of repentance. In the Bible, there's a record of Paul repenting. Uh, David repents in Scripture. Saul sort of repents in Scripture. But it's interesting because even in the story of David and Saul and, and having sin brought to them, I see myself from time to time and I want to be like David, but I'm often more like Saul. And the story is that sin is brought to Saul. The prophet Samuel says to Saul, hey, you've disobeyed God. You haven't followed his instruction. And Saul's like, well, I, I thought I could do this and I tried it differently and I thought that God might like this. And he instantly goes into justifying mode. It instantly goes into making excuses. And it's like chalk and cheese because David gets confronted with sin by the prophet Nathan and he immediately says, I have sinned against the Lord. That's his immediate response. And I see myself in those stories from time to time because there's time when I'm convicted of the sin in my own life and I immediately go into excuse mode, justify mode or just not acknowledgement mode. That's a weird name for mode, but not acknowledgement mode. I'm in, the, I'm in the clear, I'm all good. It wasn't me, at least it's not about, as bad as him. And I sound like Saul, but really we wanna sound like David. When we're confronted with our sin, that we immediately say, I've sinned against the Lord, what can I do to make it right? You know, that, that time when that story happens with David being confronted with his sin, they, they reckon that it's around Psalms 51 in time and it's when he's writing things like this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He's essentially writing a prayer out to God that he wants that change in him. That's great indicator that he is repentant. When confronted with our sin, everybody, we either repent or we harden our heart or we seek out a different belief system. You know, there's demonic, toxic belief systems even in the church where people just don't believe sin exists anymore or they don't believe hell exists anymore or you can just crack on and do whatever you want to. That's, that's people creating a different belief system to accommodate their sin. The Bible doesn't need to change with new sins. We just have got to continue to have a soft heart towards the Lord and repent when we need to. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. 
Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Everybody's sin in your life left unrepentant will greatly harden your heart. People who sin and repent often, often have soft hearts as they are equally aware of their, of their sin as they are of the gracious love of God. A hard heart causes you to stop feeling. You may identify with this. A hard heart will affect your sensitivity to the things of God. A hard heart will affect your sensitivity to the pain of others. It'll affect your faith. It'll affect your resilience. A hard heart will affect your relationships. We're a part of a generation, everybody, right now, especially my age, that says you don't need to change anything. That how we are, the desires that we have, what naturally comes to us is, is only good, and I don't need to change a thing. You know what that means? It means we have a generation that won't repent. We have a giant sin issue, and we've got a generation now with incredibly hard hearts, incredibly hard hearts towards God. Hard heart toward His church, a hard heart toward His Word. But the reality is, everybody, is that all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Everybody has sinned. We all have that in common. And that's a great thing about the gospel is that it's a great equaliser that everybody needs forgiveness and salvation. Everybody does. 1 John 1 verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Just verse 8 again, if we, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. There are a lot of deceived people out there. And I want to encourage you to come out of deception and come into truth with the realisation that I have got sin, but thank God Jesus has the answer. And He is offering to me that solution. Through His death on the cross and His resurrection, I can be set free from the penalty of sin. I can begin to be set free from the power of sin. And praise God, one day in heaven, I'll be free from the presence of sin. But it all starts with the acknowledgement of sin. It starts with God, I have a gaping wide hole in me, a huge issue, an enormous issue, a chasm that I cannot solve, but you alone can. There is a higher way and a more God-honouring way. God has for us, everybody, a transformed life where we're transformed from the inside out, where this transformation process begins in us, where God begins to shape us into who we're truly called to be. You know, that whole lingo of you don't need to change, you're perfect as you are. Imagine telling a caterpillar that. You don't need to change. You're an amazing caterpillar. And you're in the corner being like, yeah, but he could become a butterfly. Yes, but he doesn't need to change. Listen, we all need to change. And you can keep living life as a caterpillar or you can say, I, if I undergo some godly change, I might just look like a butterfly. Now, what I'm not saying is that by the Holy Spirit, you're going to begin to fly. What I am saying is this, is that the difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly is the difference between a person who doesn't experience godly change and one who does. 
You gotta go through some pain, some discomfort, some waiting, but God wants to bring about a supernatural work in your life. But hey, just for all the newer Christians in the room, don't be confused when your friends start to say, I preferred you as a caterpillar. Because as you've become a butterfly, it's making them look bad. But what it is, is they don't want to accept that they too need to get into the cocoon of the church, into the cocoon of discipleship to change. But listen, what we all have in common is that we desperately need to change. Desperately. The Bible establishes very clearly and actually very quickly that we are cooked from the inside out. My natural way of thinking, of behaving, my defaults in every way are absolutely broken. If someone says to me, Jordan, you don't need to change, you're amazing. They are keeping me in dysfunction and pain and looking like a caterpillar. Everybody needs to change. I hate to tell you this, but you're cooked. I've got lots of bad news for you. You're cooked. You're a sinner. One day you will die. So that's it for a minute. But the good news is this, is that God came, He sent His Son Jesus Christ for sinners to seek and save the lost. And the good news is, is that death is not the end. That when you're forgiven, when you're set free, when you're washed, you'll spend eternity in heaven with God the Father. There's a better way. There's a higher way. God is calling you to a better life. And you know, some people on the internet that have cooked theology, they love to share the stories of the woman caught in adultery and and the person being healed at the well and how it's just this amazing thing of love and then they just set off. But listen, all of those stories end with Jesus saying, go forth and sin no more. Again, acknowledging you do sin and I'm telling you not to do it anymore. So even his encouragement there is a call to change. We're all called to change everybody. We need to change. You know, when we sin, everyone, shame, whether you realise it or not, enters into your spirit. And this is part of the devil's strategy. You know, we give the devil sometimes too much credit and sometimes not enough credit. But often the sin we blame the devil for, we did. But then the devil's strategy is he comes in and just turns up that shame-ometer. And it affects your life, it affects your behaviour, affects your interaction. And listen, sin will have ramifications naturally and on this side of eternity and in your everyday life. But before it affects your life, it affects your soul. Before sin starts to have natural ramifications in your life, which it will, it affects your soul. And before sin grieves any man, it grieves the heart of God. But listen, we have this gift made available by a loving God because of His grace and His love, that there's an opportunity daily, each moment, hour by hour, for you to have a fresh start, a clean slate, a new morning, a new day, an opportunity to turn around, and it is found in repentance. When you first encounter the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, His mercy, His salvation, His forgiveness, at the same time, you also need to encounter your dependence on Him, your need for Him, your failings, your sin, your fallenness. You know, I, was, I played rugby a little bit in middle school and I was actually quite good. And we won the, the district championship for the Joondalup brothers back in the day. We beat Cotterslow at Perry Lakes. It was awesome. I played front row. I was the hooker. And then we went to training for the start of the next season. And this new boy had moved over from New Zealand. And he was also trying out for my position. 
and he looked like he could be my dad. We were the same age. He was double my height, double my width, double my weight, but he was faster. And I remember being on the, on the side just going, crumbs, my rugby career is falling apart right in front of my own eyes. But listen, as I got an awareness of his ability as he tackled me, immediately, guess what else? I had a revelation of my own inabilities. I went, flip, he's good. And man, I'm cooked. That's what salvation's supposed to look like. But often we want to try and take the back half out. We just want to say, isn't God good? But if it's not joined up with and I'm cooked, it's not right. It's not right. We need to have an awareness of our sin and our brokenness. And, you know, the night that I gave my life to Christ and and genuinely began a relationship with Him for the first time, I was 12 years old and it was 2005. And I know that sounds strange for some people because they're like, you're a pastor's kid. You grew up in the church and you responded at 12. This was a genuine response. I hadn't before had a realisation of the second half. I knew God was good. I didn't know how cooked I was. Sorry to keep using the word cooked. I didn't know how broken I was. But I went to a youth conference and the preacher was this radical dude and he had this big concrete slab on stage and some of you heard this story before and he actually, his whole message just talked about the brokenness of man and that Christ was broken on the cross for us and so what he did was with a sledgehammer broke the concrete slab during his message. And honestly, it was like during that time, God was just speaking to my heart. Every time he broke the stone, it was it was really impacting my heart. And I was it was like every time he hit it, I was getting a deeper revelation of like, man, I am broken. And and because of my brokenness, Christ was broken on the cross for me. And it was the first time that I think by the Holy Spirit I got a real revelation of my need for God, my need for salvation, and come on, my need for repentance. And it moves me to repent. And I had a moment with God and I've never been the same since. Have I had to repent again? Absolutely. As I said before, I'm probably setting off a few parties in heaven with the repenting I'm doing. But that initial true repentance to God began a supernatural work in me. It began to transform me from the inside out. And and I just know that God is continuing to take me on a journey from being a caterpillar (laughs) to being a butterfly in Christ where I'm becoming more of who He's called me to be. I'm doing more of what He's called me to do. And I'm living free of the fear of death. And I'm living, uh, you know, day by day with God, free from the power of sin over my life because of that repentance and turning to Christ. I'll just invite the band to join me. You know, when we repent everybody and turn to God, God can transform us and point us to a better way. Some great examples in Scripture was Jacob. He he deceived his father, yet he turned to God and God used him. Abraham disobeyed God, yet again, God would use him. David committed adultery and had the lady's husband killed. But yet again, he, he repented, he turned to God and look what God did through David's life. You know, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus three times and then he made things right on the beach with Jesus. Look what God did with Peter. You know, Samson had a real big issue with women and lust, very common. And you know, God ended up redeeming that and using him mightily. Jonah ran from God and would have preferred Nineveh to be destroyed, but God used him in his grace. Paul persecuted Christians. And yet God used him. Noah was a drunk. Moses was a murderer. Many people in Scripture, like you and I, have the same issue. We're humans. We're people. 
We're broken. We're sinners. We need repentance. We need to turn to God. We need forgiveness. We need salvation. And God is extending to all of us tonight the gift of repentance. Would you tonight turn from your ways and turn to me? Scripture is filled with stories of broken people doing the most terrible things, yet turning to God and God setting them free, washing them clean. Scripture says, throwing their sin as far as the east is from the west, which is pretty much New Zealand to Montreal, maybe. God in His mercy called those people to Himself. And I believe tonight that God is calling you to Himself. He wants to save you. He wants to use you. He wants to know you. On the other side of repentance is closeness to God. And God absolutely tonight wants to extend His love to you so that you can have a relationship with Him. No matter what you've done, you can't outsin the grace and the power of God. God's power is here tonight. God's power is here to set you free. God's power is here to begin a great work in your life, to bring salvation to you. But it requires, as I said, humility. No one asks God of anything if they don't think He can give them something. And if they don't think they need something. I want to tell you tonight, I'm only here to tell you two things. You need something and God has what you need. Do you try and justify your sin to God? Or have you let Christ by His work on the cross justify you before God? You know, Augustine... He said, no one can begin a new life unless he repent of the old. God may be speaking to you tonight that you need a new life, that you need the new life found in Christ, but you can't begin it until you repent of the old. And so I want to stir you tonight to repent to God tonight, to turn from your ways, to acknowledge that you have sinned and that you need to turn to God, to acknowledge that what, the, what you've been trying has not been working, to acknowledge that the way you've been living has not been working and that God, it's over to you now. I need your power, your grace, your love and your salvation. So I just want to invite you right now to stand to your feet right across the room. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.